Welcome to Mercola Healthy Pets Integrative Veterinary Medicine Awareness Week. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and as a part of our 10-year anniversary celebration, I'll be interviewing some pretty amazing colleagues who practice integrative and functional medicine. Starting this week, you can also nominate your vet or a local rescue or an inspiring individual in your community to be the recipient of our new Healthy Pets Game Changer Award. I hope that you'll tune in every day this week to be inspired and educated by passionate healers from around the world. And don't forget to nominate that special someone that you know that has gone above and beyond to help animals. Again, thank you so much for your support. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and helping me celebrate Integrative Veterinary Medicine Awareness Week is veterinarian Joanna Milan. Welcome, Joanna, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Dr. Becker. It's my pleasure to be here with you. So tell me a little bit about, you have a colorful, varied career, and I know that at this point you're now practicing in Australia, which is amazing. So there has to be a really great story of your evolution uh, into becoming a veterinarian, and then an integrative veterinarian, and then an integrative veterinarian in Australia. So <laughs> if you can uh, walk us through, uh, what, what motivated you, Joanna, to become a vet in the first place? Uh, I probably am a, like a lot of veterinarians, and I knew from a very young age that I wanted to help animals. And uh, I was always bothering my parents to have a cat, and then to have a pony, and then to have a dog. And and I just knew that was what I was called to do. Wonderful. And where did you yeah. go to vet school? So I went to school at Ontario Veterinary College, OVC, at the University of Guelph. And I graduated more years ago than I, I like to remember, but we're having our big 30-year um, reunion this year. And, uh, and I learned very early in my veterinary career that there weren't enough tools in Western medicine to help the animals that I was seeing. And so how did you go about, first of all, I think that that's such a common feeling. I, gosh, I think every new grad graduates and thinks, I, you, you feel like you're being almost hit by a, a bus because there are more problems than what we adequately learned about. And I think, at least for me, I learned step A and B, but I didn't learn C, D, E, and F. I didn't learn what to do if A and B didn't work. How did you go about gaining tools for your toolbox? Or how did you even, how were you introduced to things beyond what you learned in vet school? I think for the first four or five years, I was a very conventional veterinarian and all through my career I've been blessed with really good teachers so I was working for a gentleman in um, on Vancouver Island and you know he said oh you graduated the same no you you I was born the same no I graduated the same year that you were born and so he'd seen so many things change over time and I'd you know be doing a surgery technique and he'd say oh is that coming back again because that went out and now it's back and now it's gone out again. So I, I learned a lot from him just to be flexible and to be open-minded as well. I think the, the old timers in our practice, those really seasoned veterinarians that are in their eight, you know, late 70s, 80s, so much wisdom and so much common sense. So much yeah. common sense. What great teachers. So then did you, did you end up uh, studying a different modality or did you take a course or I'm sure you just kept reading or, or how did you introduce some of these new modalities into your practice? 
But it, it was interesting because I remember seeing a dog that was very, very elderly. And uh, I thought it was an eight-year-old dog or 10-year-old dog. And then I found out it was 15 or 16 years old. And I, I asked the owner, what do you do? And she said, oh, I use homeopathy. And I said, oh, what's homeopathy? And she told me a bit about it being an energetic medicine. And I, and I was, you know, a young grad and very skeptical and <laughs> thought that she was a little bit um, unusual. Um, but it always stayed at the back of my mind. And so five years, six years after I graduated, um, my husband and I decided to go traveling. And, and we actually left our jobs and and I did leave my veterinary job thinking I may not go back because I was reaching burnout at that stage and I think the biggest thing for me was being unnecessary euthanasia and having to euthanize animals um, for reasons other than to end suffering and um, I learned a lot from my, my my boss about it because he said you know if we don't do it then these people might go somewhere else to do it but it, it was such a burden on me that I thought you know I'm going to go traveling and I won't be a vet again but there was this little part of me that said homeopathy homeopathy and I ended up doing a um, uh, correspondence course while I was traveling on a sailboat to learn homeopathy with the British Institute of Homeopathy and got my mm -hmm. DVET home through them after two years of study so that was the start. And by you gaining the knowledge you gained through that remote coursework, did it reignite a, a, a fire in your soul that allowed you to maybe come out of that burnout with more inspiration and, and certainly less compassion fatigue? Did you feel something shift as you gained a different sort of sense of knowledge or a different way of practicing? Did you feel something shift in you? I did, and and it took a while because uh, you know I'm I'm still a scientist and and I can be very skeptical and so I have to look at everything and make sure that it makes sense to me and that there is science behind it and also that it works and and with homeopathy I remember studying it and it wasn't until I reached New Zealand and and decided I was going to go talk to Dr. Chris Piper who was a, a homeopathic veterinarian. And I just wanted to say hi and meet him. And I ended up doing a three-week locum for him. And it was amazing because animals would come in for their yearly checkup. And the people would tell me about, you know, like a cocker spaniel. And this dog was a walking, a, a walking scab, basically. And Dr. Piper used homeopathy. And that was the only thing he used. And that's dog came in with this glossy coat and full of health and so I saw the evidence of homeopathy working and and I think that was the point where I said okay this this is something that I need to look at and it was there that things opened up and I started examining other things and met a veterinarian who's now a good friend she was from Perth Australia and she talked to me about acupuncture and about herbs and and got me excited about those things yeah so yeah. You, 
you just added kind of one modality at a time as they kind of presented themselves to you. Joanna, how did you, um, how did your colleagues, as you started adding modalities that were different than what you learned in veterinary school, what was the response of your conventional friends and colleagues towards your shift towards uh, expanding your toolbox? Did you have any pushback or um, did you have any criticism? I had uh, a lot of pushback and a lot of criticism and, and a lot of times it made me question what I was doing. And, and even today, I have some of that as well. Even with all the knowledge I have with acupuncture and with Chinese herbal medicine and with Western medicine and um, chiropractic, I still have that pushback. And, you know, a lot of vets don't want to know about it. Uh, we'll have cases that have gone far beyond what they they could have gone with Western medicine and the Western veterinarians don't ask, you know, what are, what are you doing differently that we're seeing these results? So yeah, there was a, a lot of that pushback. Um, but luckily I had amazing teachers along the way as well who would encourage me and, you know, we'd have long discussions about both sides, you know, both the Western side of, of healing and health and disease and the other side as well you know I I it's it's interesting when I have asked many of the colleagues during this awareness week what level of support community support did you have from veterinary colleagues or what level of criticism some colleagues have really been able to sculpt their career in an environment where they have had quite mutually beneficial relationships with very little pushback. And that has made me so happy for them. And yet that was also, that was not my experience. There uh, were a lot of right. yeah. around me saying, what this, what are you doing Becker? I remember my, I mean, I graduated <laughs> from Iowa state and uh, my classmates were like, what you really, I mean, we knew that you had the slip, but my gosh, you really went off the deep end after graduation. <laughs> and those comments are hard to hear, but I, was like you I saw enough unbelievable turnarounds with cases that would otherwise never they they were slated for euthanasia and my mentors role modeled for me modalities that save these animals lives and I can't I, I could once you you can't unsee those things or you can't unexperience things that you've experienced so you're kind of left wrestling with my gosh I've seen what I've seen and it's permanently shifted me and now I have to be able to be strong enough to put into practice things that I know to be true, even though it's maybe not, my colleagues don't necessarily understand that. You have done something fantastic in your desire to create a peaceful place for you to practice and practice the way you'd like to practice. You have a practice in your home. I do. It, so it was, yeah. yeah, it was something that I, that I always wanted to do with, it was to have, a room where I could do my work. I had worked within Western practices before doing the work that I did. And, and I guess because what I'm doing is a, a lot of energy work and it's a lot of connection with that animal. You know, we don't have 15 minute appointments where, you know, we do ears and teeth and um, vaccinations and talk about diet. Um, we, I have an hour-long 
discussion with the animal and with the person and 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 so I wanted that environment where I could do that and so I have a separate little building behind my home and the vet surgeons board came and looked at it and I uh, ticked all the boxes and so now I practice on my own which is great I love it I wake up in the morning and I just want to go to my room <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I want to go to my room <laughs> <laughs> you can come to my room it's, re it's really funny because the clients will say oh you know my my dog usually doesn't like going to the vet but he really likes it here and you know I have a, a bed that's about sofa height and so they just look at it and sort of crawl up on it and lie down and go to sleep and and you know I think that's where the the most healing can take place is when when they're in that relaxed state and and hopefully their owners can be in that relaxed state but that's a hard thing to get the owners to do yeah. sometimes yeah. In one way, Joanna, you're one step past, you're several steps past fear free. You're into intentionally creating Zen. So the animals are not just in a fear state, they're in a completely relaxed state, ready for healing to occur, which is really fantastic. So you, you've yeah. set up a perfect environment for, for healing to occur, which is awesome. Joanna, what are you working on now? Or what's what are you learning or what, what's the next step for you as a professional? Um, my career is uh, not changing, but um, I did animal communication courses when, uh, I don't remember when, I think I, I think I had traveled back to Canada for a while after I'd been in New Zealand and studied with an animal communicator there and it really opened up my mind and my heart to the connection with animals and to nature itself. And, and I'm trying to develop that and, and I'm quite excited because I've just recently come up with this expression, animals as mirrors, mm -hmm. because I've found this, this entanglement, you know, I don't, I don't know if you see it in your practice, but for instance, if an animal, has diabetes eight out of ten times somebody in the family will have diabetes and you know urinary tract infections same thing really high level hypothyroid disease a high level as well and so i started looking at that connection and and i do um, kinesiology so muscle testing which which can be a yes no answer um getting into the the animals um, energy field and uh, and I was checking the entanglement and sometimes with these really complex diseases the entanglement between the animal and their person was 90% so they were sharing not just their home um, and often their food and guess what the toxins as well but also maybe their life purpose um, and maybe some of those blockages emotionally, mentally, psychically, that, that stops them from healing and being the best that they can be. So I'm, I'm developing that sort of cautiously, but sometimes um, being rushed ahead by my animal patients who need help. Pulled along, pulled along. I pulled along, pulled yes. Along, yes, guided yes. by them, right? Guided, yes. Yes, yeah. so you, in one aspect, 
what you're practicing is the definition of holism in that that animal is a reflection of its energetic state, nutritional state. It's, it's a reflection of its environment, including uh, the energy he's, he or she's picking up on from, from mom and dad or the family in general, yeah. the, the whole yeah. house. So as you treat that whole environment, probably every living creature in that environment is going to be responsive, which uh, you, I hope that you're collecting case studies because it's such, I think that this is the next step in the evolution of veterinary medicine is recognizing uh-huh. that us yeah. singling the pets out and specifically focusing on just the animals limits us from recognizing all of the uh, information that yeah. th- those animals' physiologic bodies are making because it's listening and communicating with the entire energetic environment and physical environment. And you're looking at that big picture which is wonderful, but also I think you can provide a great opportunity for learning for other veterinarians by, by perpetuating your desire to learn more about the entire picture versus just the health of the animals, which is fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited about it and, uh, you know, sort of waiting for a bit of guidance, which, which way to go. Um, and, you know, I work with um, CIBT and they have a lot of courses for veterinarians to take, but also for um, pet people, for um, animal carers to take as well in nutrition. And, you know, I just wonder, is there, is there somewhere there that I can, I can integrate that? But, it, you know, animal communication is, is one of those um, modalities that, that does get a lot of pushback. Um, but, but I had this, this great, this great case, um, I needed to collect a urine sample from a cat. And, uh, you know, I do the, this sandwich technique that I was taught where, you know, we, we, all, we all can show pictures to our animals. I mean, that's probably why, you know, the animals know 10 minutes before we do what's happening because of our body language and, and our thought processes. So, so this sandwich technique, you, you show the cat um, what you want and then you show them what the other um, alternative is, and then you show them what you want again. And so I, <laughs> I showed this cat, okay, we're gonna put this dish out in the backyard under the bushes where you hang out. And I showed her peeing into this container, and I showed her the other option, which was going into the veterinary clinic in her carrier, which she hated, and into the clinic which freaked her out and the vets handling her and, you know, turning her over and doing synthesis and, and then showed her the nice picture of her going and peeing into the container. And I, and I told the owner what I was doing and I said, you just need to put the container out, make sure it's, it's as clean as you can and dry and we'll see what happens. Well, sure enough, the owner went out the next morning and there was a urine sample. And this was, you know, a cat that had an acre <laughs> an acre to wander around and she peed into that container and you know like that's happened quite a few times and so you know it's, it's, that's not coincidence yeah yeah that's, so that's like the yeah. ultimate example of working with our patients because we're asking we're not telling or we're not forcing we're literally asking and there's there's communication happening and that that's not only a beautiful example it's the best example of us as 
healers or as caretakers, as guardians, first asking permission and then letting them know what our intention is. You know, we, this is what our goal is in doing this. And I think that oftentimes as doctors, we, we oftentimes forget the ask step. And I think it's fantastic that you're starting with the ask step, as I think as all of us as patients would want our doctors to do for our bodies is to make sure it's okay that, that this is going to happen. Yeah. And even better, could you please participate with us? And so you starting there is fantastic. But yes, you're right. I can only imagine the pushback <laughs> because we did not have animal communication classes. We, there was no quantum physics in veterinary school. No, <laughs> no quantum physics. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so that is that's a fantastic and exciting direction that you are headed in and i'm looking forward to hearing more of more interesting fascinating but also inspiring stories about about the ask which is exactly what you're doing yeah thank you thank joanna you. thank you so much for thank joining you. me this morning uh, you have a fascinating career that is quite fulfilling and enjoyable for you i appreciate you sharing your story with us Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was great to finally meet you. <laughs>